When we think of the Ku Klux Klan, we often think of burning crosses and lynchings in the South. But the KKK was active in the North Country, too. In the early 1900s, it held popular rallies and pushed black families out of the region, forever changing who lives here. That's today's story of the day. Support for Story of the Day is provided by Renew Architecture and Design, designing camps, custom homes, and more throughout NCPR's listening region. Details at renewarchitecture.com. Hey, I'm David Summerstein. It's Tuesday, October 31st. Happy Halloween. Be careful out there tonight. First up, remember the election is upon us. Early voting is open across the North Country. You can go vote right now. You don't have to wait until Tuesday. Look up your local polling places for early voting at your county's Board of Elections website. All voters in New York have two constitutional amendments to consider this election. One aims to allow the state's 57 small city school districts to take on more debt for things like big capital projects. In the North Country, they include Plattsburgh, Glens Falls and Watertown. Kara Chapman brings us this report on why advocates want to raise the district's debt limits in the first place. Most school districts in New York State can incur debt that's up to 10 percent of the value of the taxable real estate in their districts. For small city school districts, the state constitution says that number is 5 percent. We have seen uh, you know, situations pop up where that debt limit um, has served as a barrier and forced the district um, to you know, extend out a project. That's Brian Fessler with the New York State School Boards Association. He says breaking down big projects into smaller ones can help small city districts stay under their debt limits. But he says that strategy can ultimately cost taxpayers more money over time. Ballot Proposition 1 asked voters if they want to remove the 5% debt limit from the state constitution. The legislature has already passed the resolution twice, so now the final step is voter approval. Advocates tried back in 2003, but it was voted down 54% to 46%. According to Fessler, the challenges for small city districts have only grown since then. For example, he says they tend to have disproportionately higher student needs and poverty levels. So this is another attempt to really um, continue with the process of providing either statutory or constitutional balance and equity amongst our school districts in the state. Fessler says the change isn't about giving small city districts anything extra. It's about fixing a decades-old constitutional provision. And he says places of all sizes stand to benefit. New York's small cities range in population from a few thousand people in Sherrill and Oneida County to almost 100,000 in Albany. Fessler says it's important to support the measure even if you don't live in one of those small city districts. That's partly because they educate about 1 in 10 children statewide. And you never know where you're going to end up and live and where you might raise a family. And raising the debt limit isn't just a blank check for these school districts. Fessler says the same checks and balances will remain in place. Every time a school district wants to take on debt or a capital project, they'll still have to put it to their voters for approval. There's always the check right now, appropriately, uh, for voters to determine whether or not uh, they support uh, a particular capital project um, in these districts. The legislature is already preparing for this ballot measure to pass. It passed a bill in June that would take the next step and raise the debt limit to 10 percent. There is a second ballot proposal. If approved, it would allow the state's municipalities to exclude debt for sewage facility projects from their debt limits for another 10 years. Kara Chapman, North Country Public Radio. 
In the 1920s and 30s, the white supremacist group, the Ku Klux Klan, terrorized people in St. Lawrence County. The KKK drove out most of the area's black population. Catherine Wheeler reports on a local historian who's uncovering how the Klan has had a lasting impact on the region's demographics. The Ku Klux Klan's presence in St. Lawrence County rose after the showing of the racist propaganda film The Birth of a Nation. Historian Brian Thompson says the local press was supportive of the film's racist themes. Starting in 1922, and after that, the Klan started to gain momentum here. And over the next uh, six to seven years, it was a very prominent force with rallies being held all over the county. The largest rally I found recorded was some 5,000 people on the Potsdam Norwood Road, where they recruited 500 new members at one rally. There were chapters all over the county. There was a chapter in Brzee Corners, in Depoister, Potsdam, Messina, Ogdensburg, Oswegatchie, to name a few of the places. Thompson's the historian for the town of DeKalb in St. Lawrence County. He's given talks about the Klan and has written about the North Country's Black communities. Thompson says anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 people would attend Klan rallies. He says they recruited entire social organizations to join their ranks. The Klan was a pyramid scheme. So if you joined... You paid your 10 bucks, and the Klegel got so much, and the local chapter got so much, and the national chapter did. If you brought your friend along and he joined, you got a dollar of his 10 bucks. Thompson says the Klan was focused on forcing out the county's black community. And there were a large number of black workers in Messina working for Alcoa in the early 20s. They managed to... Uh, with the help of the local judge to basically eliminate that black community. Whereas in 1920, there were over 50 black men working at Alcoa. By 1930, there were three. Thompson says the Klan and public officials were using the courts to drive away black residents. Judges would say you can go to jail or leave town. Local elected officials who deliberately in court said, You can either have this punishment for speeding or you can leave town on the six o'clock train. And that was given over and over again in printed records, but only to African-American people living in the county. With one exception, one Russian immigrant was had the same sentence. Thompson says the Klan's violence also targeted Catholics, Jews and immigrants in the county. There was one recorded incident where on one night, A cross was burnt on every Catholic household between the village of Canton and the village of Pirates, which at that time was a big paper mill town, and most of the employees were Eastern European immigrants and are largely Catholic. And they sent letters to many people telling them they should leave the community for for the good of the community. Thompson says mentions of the Klan in local newspapers started to die out when the state passed a law requiring oath-bearing organizations to divulge membership lists. He says records show local chapters existed within St. Lawrence County through the early 1930s. Thompson says the Klan's lasting impact is clear in the county's racial demographics. Between the mid-1800s and up until the 1920s, there was a consistent Black population of about 200 people. It stayed that way constantly through 1920. By 1930, 
there's just about 50 black people left. And other than three or four of them, they're all residents of the St. Lawrence Psychiatric Hospital. So the only people who came here for medical treatment from the whole of northern New York. Uh, and the legend has become there were never any black people here. He says white supremacy drove out a population that could have grown during the Great Migration of the mid-1900s. And he asks, what could have been if the black community in the North Country had been allowed to flourish? We forced our black community out. Niagara Falls, they stayed, they had 300 black people there at the beginning of World War II in 1940. By the end of World War II with the migration north and the war industry, they had, in 1950, they had 3,000 black people. If we had let the 150 black people stay in Messina, would there have been 1,500 by 1950? And what difference would that have made in terms of supporting a vibrant black community? Thompson says knowing this history helps combat deliberate attempts to whitewash the community's history. He says if we can learn from it, we'll be better equipped to challenge similar events in the present and future. Catherine Wheeler, North Country Public Radio. We have more news all the time on our website, ncpr.org. And a quick reminder, you can listen to Story of the Day and get your North Country news fix whenever you want, not just when it's on the radio at 548 as a part of All Things Considered. Subscribe to the Story of the Day podcast in your podcast app of choice. It's free. It's automatic. Go to ncpr.org slash podcast for details. And if you're already listening to the podcast right now, rock on. You know what's up. Music today by Patricia Julian of Burlington and Michael Hart and Ramon Vasquez of Malone. I'm David Summerstein, North Country Public Radio.